Nehemiah chapter 4, verse 6, Nehemiah writes, So we built the wall, the entire wall was joined together up to half its height, for the people had a mind to work. We've been talking about a mindset to build the kingdom, and, um, and we've kind of been going through uh, the book of Nehemiah. Today, we're going to talk about a mindset to build. We're going to talk about rediscovering purpose rediscovering purpose. So turn over, let's see, where do we want to, turn over to, <clears throat> let's, look, let's look at Nehemiah chapter 6, verse 15. Rediscovering purpose. Nehemiah six fifteen says, so the wall was finished on the 25th day in 52 days. In 52 days, they completed the wall. That's, that's a lot of work. Conway can identify. They built a whole wall around an entire city in 52 days. They didn't do that without a sense of purpose. Would you agree? They had to have not only a sense of purpose, but a sense of urgency that enabled them to Join that wall together and build it in 52 days. So, we're talking about rediscovering purpose. Now, <clears throat> you know, as we read the Bible, as we study the Scripture, do you know, do you realize that God has a purpose in everything that He has given to us in His Word? This very story right here of Nehemiah building the wall of the children of Israel rebuilding Jerusalem, rebuilding the temple, that record given to us in Scripture is there for a purpose. It, it, serves, it serves numerous purposes. I mean, it, there is a, in a very practical sense, this is recorded as a historical record. It's a record of history. What these people did has been recorded for us so that we can know, so that we can read, so that we can understand in a very practical sense. But the purpose is much greater than just a historical record. Why, why, did, God, why did God even put them in a position to have to rebuild the wall to begin with? I mean, it's one thing to say, well, we recorded what happened so we'd have a record of it. But what I want to know is what was in the mind of God that, that caused all of this to come about to begin with? And when I read this record of it, I need to understand it in a greater context, in a greater way than just, this is history. This is a motivational story. Well, I, can, I could take this story and I can motivate someone to be successful in their life, be successful in their business, be sick. No, it's, it's so much greater than that. And so, what we find is, as we go through, really, as we can say this, I think it would be fair to say this, as we go through life, it's important for us to be constantly rediscovering purpose. Let's just take a real simple from our story here in Nehemiah, let's take a very practical look at what I'm talking about. Let's just all pretend that we are wall builders, okay? We are out there around Jerusalem. We're on the outskirts of the city, and we are literally building this wall. We're rebuilding this wall. And all around us are stones, rubbish, I mean, if you read Nehemiah, it says that as the people went, the people came to Nehemiah and they said, we can't even work, there's so much rubbish that we, we, can't, we can't even do our work 
because the rocks were broken up, they were burned up, they were just piles of rubble there from when the Babylonians came. Been sitting there for 70 years. So let's pretend like we're wall builders this morning and we're on site in ancient Jerusalem somewhere around 400 and, I don't know, 450, 430, 440 B.C. And we're building this wall. What's our purpose? Well, we could say our purpose is to build this wall. We got to get this wall built because we have enemies out here that are constantly threatening us. Remember, we talked about that. How the enemies of God's people were there threatening them constantly. Why? The scripture tells us they were threatening them because they wanted to stop the work. They did not want the work. In other words, they did not want the wall to be built. They didn't want the city, be, city to be rebuilt. They didn't, certainly didn't want the temple to be rebuilt. They were in opposition to everything that was happening there. And so we're out there, we're building this wall. How do we build the wall? One what at a time? One stone at a time. I, I don't, it doesn't matter how big or how little. We're building this wall one stone at a time. They didn't have, they didn't have pump trucks out there pumping cement. They, they didn't have what we have today. They had men on the ground. We can't even say they had boots on the ground. They had sandals on the ground, okay? <laughs> and they're building this wall one stone at a time. Big stone, little stone, doesn't matter. They're building it one stone at a time. Now, if you're a wall builder, and you take a stone, what is your immediate purpose? Your immediate purpose is to make this stone fit in this wall. Conway, you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> He's building columns right now. And to take a stone and to make it fit... I mean, to make it fit, where it's cut and it's fitting snug. These weren't just little stones that they were using. These were, these were big stones. But we could, I think, fairly say as stone builders, as, as wall builders, building a wall one stone at a time, we take this stone and this stone becomes our purpose. Our purpose is to take this stone and put it in its proper place and make it fit in the wall. So in an immediate sense, my purpose is focused now, becomes this stone that I'm working on, whether I'm chiseling it, cutting it, whatever I'm doing to make it fit where it needs to fit so that I can put this wall together. This stone is my purpose. As soon as I get that stone put in place, guess what? That stone, is it still my purpose? I move to another stone, and this stone is no longer my purpose. So the very, at the very moment I place this stone, this stone has been my purpose now for however long. If I'm a good wall builder, maybe not very long. If it's me, that stone could be my purpose for quite a long time as I'm trying to make it fit there. But once I get it in its place, you know what I have to do? I have to rediscover purpose. I have to leave this thing and I have to go to the next one because the wall's not going to be built with just one stone. It's going to be built with stone upon stone. And so we're building the wall. So every time I place a stone, guess what I have to do? I have to rediscover purpose. And I have to move from this being my purpose to now this being my purpose. But, but I also need to understand something in a greater sense, don't I? Because I'm not just out there putting rocks in place. I'm doing what? I'm building a wall. So each stone has a purpose, but each stone is only part of a greater purpose. And so as I build that wall, as a wall builder, I focus my purpose on each stone that I'm working with, but I understand that each of those stones represents a greater purpose. Now, we read Nehemiah, we see that Nehemiah stationed people he stationed people in different sections of the wall, and so families were put in different places. And we see also that some of those people 
were given the task of building the wall, and some of the people were given the task of watching and being ready to fight the enemy that was threatening to come against them at any moment, at any place. Now that guy who's standing there with a spear and a sword, not watching the the wall going up, but turned and watching for the enemy, he has a different purpose. His purpose is not to lay rocks in their proper place. His purpose is to watch for the enemy. But he's part of the greater purpose, isn't he? He absolutely is. And so rock by rock, watch by watch, you see that people are finding their purpose and they're also rediscovering purpose continually through this process. And we also see they're working with an overriding sense of purpose. We're not just placing individual rocks. Well, we are. But we're doing it for the purpose of building a wall. If if I'm in my section, my purpose is to place my rocks to build out my section. Because if I don't build out my section, we can't complete the wall. So we go from individual rocks to sections, and you have put all that together, and you've got, in 52 days, the whole wall joined around the city of Jerusalem. What was the purpose of building the wall? Just so we can say we built a wall? Do you see that there was a greater purpose than just a bunch of guys said, hey, let's go out. We don't have anything better to do today. Let's just go build a wall. What do you think? Well, why are we building a wall? Just because I feel like it. No. They built a wall because what? The city needed the wall. The wall provided protection. The wall provided security. The wall spoke of something. It spoke of a lot of things. So it wasn't just a wall for the sake of a wall. It was building a wall. And so there, every time they placed a stone, every time they completed a watch, every time they did any particular task, they rediscovered their purpose. Their purpose wasn't just in completing a wall. It was building a city. And beyond that, who were they building the city for? Well, they were building it for themselves, right? I mean, some of those people were going to live in that city. But do you know that most of those people were not going to live in that city? Most of them would not live in that city. We'll look at this a little bit later on. Um, And you see that they tithed the population. They drew lots. They cast lots, and one out of every ten person by lot was designated to live in the city of Jerusalem. How would you like that? You're coming back from Babylon and you're making the journey and you see this really sweet looking spot. It's like, man, you know what? I'm going to build my house there. That is just, that's awesome. Just no one's living there. It's wide open. This is our land. You know, I I think I want to build my my house there. This is where I want to live. You get to Jerusalem, start working, you build the wall, and then they start drawing lots and they said, oh, Jeff? You lucky dog. We drew your lot, and you get to live in the city of Jerusalem. No, wait, no, but, but I had this spot that I wanted to live out here. No. They lived. They did everything they did with a greater purpose in mind. And the purpose went beyond themselves. They weren't building the wall for themselves. Well, they were, weren't they? but yet they were building for something beyond themselves. You are here today for yourself, yes, but hopefully you're here today for a reason beyond yourself, a purpose greater than yourself. You do what you do, we can say, I go to work, I I do my job, I earn my paycheck, I clean my house, I do all of these things. I, mow my, I do this for myself, yes, I do, for my family, for, for me and, and, and my immediate ones around me. But, but do you do it for a greater purpose? Do you see that what you do has greater purpose than just maybe the, 
the practical application or the practical way we think about it. Well, if I don't go to work, then I can't, you know, have a home. I can't pay my bills. I can't, won't have a car. You know, how am I going to provide food for my family? All true. So in a sense, we do have selfish motives for doing what we do. I mean, it, it, you understand how I use the word selfish there. Not being selfish in a bad sense. But it's good that you want to keep the lights on. It's good that you want to keep a roof over your head. It's good that you want to be able to go to work to provide. The Bible says a man that doesn't provide for his family is, is not, a, not a good guy. He's a heathen. But yet, we can become consumed with our work, guys, can't we? Women, it doesn't matter. We can become consumed with our work, with the things that we pour ourselves into, and those can become purposes unto themselves, and that can become a negative thing. It would be ridiculous if we're building a wall to have worked with this stone for quite some time, have chiseled it, cut it, finally get it in its perfect place, and we stand back and say, man, that looks so good. You know, I'm just not going to move from this spot. I'm just going to stay right here, and my purpose is going to be this rock right here. I'm just going to, I'm going to guard this rock. I'm going to keep it clean. I'm going to make sure that it'd be kind of silly, wouldn't it? Because that, that particular stone, that particular rock is just part of a greater purpose. It's something that, that was entrusted to me to achieve a greater purpose, a greater cause. Do you realize that everything we do in life, I believe this, I believe the Bible teaches us this, that everything we do in life, from the, from the most mundane of daily tasks that we do, to the great rare moments in our life, doesn't matter. You know, I say great rare moments because those are the exception. Most of our life is filled with stone upon stone. I'm just sitting here putting stones in place, but I'm doing it with a greater purpose in mind. Now, I may not be able to, to see beyond my section, but I need to be able to see beyond my section to a whole wall completed, to a whole city completed, to God being glorified by what I'm doing. You may go to work every day. You may wake up mom every day and take care of your house and your kids, and you may just be thinking, man, if I can just get through this day, if I can just get through this day and do what I need to do, that's That's good. You need to do that. But we also need to understand that our careers or our children or what we're doing in our homes is more than just getting through the day. It's more than just getting the paycheck at the end of the week, the end of the month. It's more than just getting through this week. This is going to be a challenging week with my kids. I've got so many things. I don't know how many get it all done. If I can just get through this week. Well, yeah, get through this week. But do you understand that the time and the effort and the blood and the sweat and the tears that you pour into your family, into your children, is for a greater purpose and a greater cause than what a day, a week, a month, or even several years while they're in your care until they're gone from the nest. Do you, do you see that what you're doing is building something that must endure beyond yourself? The people in Nehemiah's day were building a wall, and they were building it in such a way that the wall would endure beyond themselves. Are you raising your children in such a way that what they will do will endure beyond yourself? Are we doing the work of the kingdom in such a way that it will endure beyond ourselves? See, this is the question that we need to ask ourselves. Because whether it's raising children, whether it's your job or your career or your business or your education or your church, do you understand that it's, those are all just stones that are placed in the wall? And they're all important, like, like links in a chain. They're all important, aren't they? 
If we can find a crack in the wall, a weak spot in the wall, the enemy can exploit that. And what we want to tend to do in, in, in our human nature is to pour our energies, focus on one thing, and pour all of our energies in that to the exclusion of everything else. But that's not, that's not what the kingdom teaches us. Now, we're not of the world. We're in the world, but we're not of the world. We're to live our lives with a kingdom mentality. So Jesus, remember when he's with his disciples and his disciples come to him and they say, Jesus, now, who's going to get to sit on your right? Who's going to get to sit on your left? Remember the mother of James and John? The sons of thunder is what Jesus called them. The mother of James and John came to, to Jesus and she said, Jesus, I want my sons, one to sit on your, your right and one to sit on your left. And they were all having this discussion and Jesus said, you don't, you don't even know what you're asking. You don't understand what you're asking. The, the Gentiles, the world seeks a position. But here's how the kingdom works. Jesus said, if you want to be great in the kingdom, become a servant first. If you want to be greatest, if you want to be first in the kingdom, then become the slave of all. That, that is contrary thinking. Contrary to what? Contrary to the world. Not contrary to the kingdom. But we've lived in the world, we've grown up in the world so long, this is the way we think. Jesus says, you've got to change the way you think. And we see this throughout the Scripture. God gives us pictures that we are all part of a greater cause and a greater purpose. Each man building that wall was only a part of something greater than himself. Each family watching over a section of the wall was only a part of something greater than themselves. Later on, when they built the wall and, and they're, they're building the city and now they're figuring out where everybody's going to live and the people are going out and they're having to go out and build homes and build cities, rebuild their villages. And they're casting lots and one out of every ten is going to live in Jerusalem. They understood, and, and we're not going to look at it today, but we'll look at it next week when they, they give the law of the tithe and the law of of the first fruits, and, and they, they begin to read in the book of the law, and they are rediscovering that God had a greater purpose, that God had set all of this stuff up, and he set it up for a purpose. And they were rediscovering that greater purpose. And so the people that were going out to live in the cities understood that they were not disconnected from the people in Jerusalem. They weren't going to just go out there and do their thing and, well, hope you guys make it here in Jerusalem. Or the people leaving Jerusalem weren't going to go out and do their thing. And the people in Jerusalem going, well, hope you guys make it out there. We're behind the wall. You're not. Uh-huh. Too bad for you. No, it wasn't that. They were all one people. They worked together. They lived together. They did what they did together for a purpose greater than themselves. Are we to be different than them, are we? Jesus said of John the Baptist, he said, I tell you, there is none greater born of woman than John the Baptist. But hear me, I say this to you truly, there is the least in the kingdom is greater than John the Baptist. See, we're reading a story of real history that's teaching us something, that's revealing purpose to us, that's revealing something greater for us, but it speaks of something that was to come but was not yet. Are you hearing me? Nehemiah and the children of Israel built a wall, rebuilt a city, and it spoke of what was to come that was not yet. We are today living in a time and we are the people that wall and that city spoke of. 
we are those of the kingdom that are greater than John the Baptist. We are the least in the kingdom, yet we are greater than John, whom Jesus called the greatest prophet ever born of a woman. That's, that's, I mean, that's pretty good right there. How would you like to have Jesus say of you, you are the greatest prophet to ever be born of a woman? That's, that's better than winning the Nobel Peace Prize. You guys get that? But yet, Jesus said, the least in the kingdom is greater. That's us. Now, you might not feel that today. You might not feel the greatness today. But this is what the Scripture says about you. But the only way we're going to properly understand that, the only way we're going to be, be able to properly process that and, and, and learn from that and, and go forward in that is to understand that God created us. God put us on this earth at this time. This is our time of visitation on planet earth. He put us here for his purpose. We have a rock in front of us that we're to place in the wall. And as soon as we get through with that rock, we're to place another rock. But we can't become focused, obsessed with the rocks we're placing. We've got to get the bigger picture. We've got to begin to understand the greater purpose. Are you hearing me? A mindset to build is a mind continually rediscovering God's greater purpose in all things. So here's what some people do. Some people get stuck and they become stagnant because of their sin and their failures of the past. I mean, I want you to think a thought. I'm going to say a word and I want you to, I want you to think about the word I'm fixing to, to tell you, okay? I'm going to give you three words. I'm going to give you a word picture, and I want you to think of it, okay? Big red ball. How many of you saw a big red ball in your mind? You thought of a big red ball. You know what? That thought, that, is in the, it's in your past. It may just be 30 seconds ago, but it's in your past. It's gone. Why do we obsess with those things which are in our past? Your purpose is greater than that. So don't stagnate and get stuck in the sin and the failure of your past. You'll never move forward in what God has for you if you do that. Here's another thing that gets us sometimes. We live in the victory and the success of our past. Or I should really say we live off of the victory and the success of our past. It's okay to remember the victories and the success. It's okay to remember the, the sin and the failure. We should learn from both, right? I mean, if I'm building a wall and I say, man, now I'm, I'm, I'm becoming a little more proficient. I've been driving by every day, Conway's house, watching him. You know, for a long time, I saw like one and a half columns out there for a long time. I'm like, he ain't making very much progress on that thing. Then he learned a few things, and he bought a saw on Craigslist, and now he's like, wow, he's like moving on. But every rock that's placed, we learn, right? Hopefully we learn from maybe the failures of the past. You realize, man, I wasted so much time trying to do this, and really all I had to do was this. Okay, well, don't sit there and cry about what you didn't do. Learn from what you didn't do, because you're going to have an opportunity to do it again. So learn from what you didn't do and do it better next time. But you also don't want to say, man, I just don't want to move from this spot because this looks so good. I mean, this, I, just, I don't think I could ever build a section of wall that looks better than this, so I don't even want to try. So I'm just going to, I'm just going to camp out right here, and this is my section, and I'm just going to memorialize this 
beautiful work that I've done. Well, that's no good either. We can't live off the victory and success of the past. Otherwise, that's, we have forgot our purpose if we do that. The person who does that has forgotten the greater purpose. They need to rediscover their purpose. Their purpose was never to just to build that section, to have that success, that victory. Their purpose was for that to be a part of the wall that was being built, a part of what God was building. But, but I'm doing that, and I'm doing other things for the greater purpose. You didn't just come here today so you could say you went to church or to make your conscience feel better. Hopefully you didn't. You feel good about yourself because I went to church? Okay, then I've got a little, you know, I've got a little breathing space with God now. There, there are people that really think like that. But that's a person that doesn't understand, has no knowledge of the greater purpose that God's called them to, that they're a part of, that God has made them a part of. So we can't live in the failure of the past, and we can't live off the victories of the past. We learn from them, but we also can't just live in the moment. If you purpose to live in the moment, then you really can't do that. What we do, we've got to be doing for the greater purpose And God has, in His grace, given us these pictures that speak of real things. I love what Caleb said today about the gifts and the giver. I mean, the only way we can appreciate the giver is because He has given, right? Jesus really came and died for us. He gave his life for us. The Bible, the good news isn't Jesus is going to do that one day. Well, when is he going to do it? Well, one day he'll do it. No, he did it. That was the good news for the prophets of old. That was the good news for Abraham. He saw afar off what Jesus would do. But we are the people now, the people of the kingdom who not only being the least are the greatest, we're greater than the prophets, greater than John, we are living now, not looking to what he will do one day, we are living in the reality with the benefit of what he has already done. He has finished the work of the cross. He has defeated death. He has overcome sin. He has made a way for us where there was no way. He has done that. Now he calls us to walk in that way. And ultimately, listen, ultimately, every person working on that wall, they worked on that wall, they rebuilt that temple, they rebuilt that city, they ultimately did it with the purpose of not just building their home, their little building, their little section. They did it with the ultimate purpose that we are rebuilding the city. Not just any city, but we're rebuilding Jerusalem. This is the city of the great king. This is the city where David sat enthroned. This is the city that was the capital of Solomon and all of his glory and all of his wisdom that the world came to see. But more and greater than that, this is the city that God has designated that he would place his name and cause his name to dwell there forever. In Leviticus, while the children of Israel were in the wilderness, he spoke of a place that he would cause his name to dwell forever. It was Jerusalem. They were rebuilding Jerusalem, not just their city, not just for shelter, not just for protection, but this was the city of God, the place that God purposed to cause his name to dwell forever. They were doing this for something greater than themselves. They were doing it for the glory of God. 
Are you here today for the glory of God? Are you? When you, remember, I asked you this last week. Remember we saw in in Nehemiah chapter 8, it says Ezra opened the book and the people all stood up. And the first thing Ezra did, it says Ezra blessed the Lord. And I asked you last week, when you get ready to come to church, whether it's Saturday night or whenever in your mind, if, if this is the process, if it hasn't just become an automatic thing, if you're still struggling with indecision, should I go, should I not go, I'm just going to tell you, you need to get beyond that. You come to this place with an attitude of, I'm going to bless the Lord. Do we come to this place with an attitude that ultimately the reason I'm here today, when it's all said and done, is for His glory? It's a glorious sound. Are you here for His glory? Are you doing what you're doing in your home, with your family, in your business? at your work, at school? Are you doing what you're doing ultimately for His glory? Yeah, you got to get your work done. you got to do what you got to do. It's all part of it. It's like putting that stone in the wall. That stone's got to go there to make a whole wall. But don't fixate on just that task. See your life as a life that possesses greater purpose. Rediscover Purpose continually in your life. When you have a setback, you need to rediscover purpose. When you have a defeat, you need to rediscover purpose. When you have a success, you need to rediscover purpose. When we come to this place, we need to rediscover purpose. We need to understand the layers of purpose that exist here. We are here for one another. We are here. Listen, I come here because, believe it or not, even though I'm preaching, I come here because I, I love to come here. It, it blesses me to be here. It blesses me to be with God's people. It blesses me. I'm very selfish in that way. And if I couldn't be here and I couldn't be with y'all and I couldn't drink coffee and eat donuts and, and, and hang out, if I couldn't do that, my life would not be, I, I just, man, my life would suck. It would. I wouldn't like it. So in, in one sense, I have a very selfish motive for coming here because I, I love it. I love the joy it brings to my life, the happiness it brings to my life. But I also understand this, this is not about me. It's about you too. Hopefully, I can be a blessing to your life. Hopefully, you'll bless, but you're also blessing those around you. And that our desire to come here is is out of a desire to be a blessing to those around us. In loving one another, and in loving one another, guess what we're doing? We're loving God. When we don't love one another, guess what we're not doing? We're not loving God. That's Bible. Read the book of 1 John. When we bear with one another, you know, not everybody can build walls as good as other people can. Do I despise my brother because he can't place rocks as good as I can? Or does my brother over here despise me because I'm not nearly as proficient as he is? Can we bear with one another? Can we encourage one another? In our weaknesses, can we love one another? Can we build up and strengthen one another? That rock doesn't look as good as that rock, but it's part of the wall. And it's there for a reason. And it provides strength, and it provides what the wall needs. Do you understand that you provide what is needed? 
This is, the, this is the good news. In spite of our sin, in spite of our failure, in spite of our imperfections, in the frailty of our humanity, in the proclivity we have to give place to our sin nature, the human nature, here's the good news. In spite of all of that, God has chosen to make you a part of his greater purpose. And he made it possible for you to be a part of that when he sent his son. And when Jesus died on that cross, when he uttered those words, it is finished. I'm telling you what, he opened a way for us that was impossible. This isn't about you or me being perfect. Matter of fact, it's about you and me understanding we are, we are anything but perfect. You know why? Here's what Jesus said on the Sermon on the Mount. Anyone can be a friend to someone who's friendly. Anyone can love those who love you back. Anyone can give gifts to someone you know that's going to give you a gift. But can you love your enemies? Can you bless those that curse you and those that persecute you? Or here's another question. How about the guy or the gal that just gets on your nerves? Or who just seems to be a thorn in your flesh or a pebble in your shoe. It's just an irritation. What are you going to do? You're going to cut and run? You're just going to abandon them? I'm going to go to another wall? No. What are we called to do? We're called to come together. What do you do in your family? Husbands, when your wife doesn't do exactly what you want her to do. Wives, what do you do? When your husband doesn't do exactly, I know the answer to that. They let us know. But do we stop? Do we stop loving? Do we stop being one? No. Do we tear the wall down because that's an ugly rock there and I don't want it there? No, we don't. We live with it. And we learn to see the beauty and the wonder of that thing. And we learn to understand the value that it is providing something that is necessary. Do you know that God, I believe this, God places people in your lives that provide things that are necessary for you. The person that probably is about to drive you crazy, do you, I believe this, God has put them in your life to provide something necessary for you. You've heard me use this example before. We love to go float the Frio River. Garner State Park, you float the Frio. Do you know what is, what is striking when you walk down to the Frio River about all the rocks that are in the riverbed? You know what? They're all round and smooth. You know how they got round and smooth? They bumped against one another. And over time, they wore all the rough edges off of one another. And they just fit beautifully down, down the riverbed. Whether you want to believe it or not, whether I want to believe it or not, we have rough edges. And God has put people in your life. And you and I are people that God has put in others' lives to rub the rough edges off of them. If we don't stay in the river, we'll never lose our rough edges. Don't get out. Don't get out of the river. Don't abandon the wall. God will use your shape. God will use your uniqueness. God will use your edges to accomplish His purpose. He will. We need to be people that constantly rediscover our purpose. We're going to stop there because it's 10 after 12, though, as you know, I always have a lot more to say. And we're going to continue in Nehemiah, okay? We're going, to, we're going to be in Nehemiah chapter 9 next week. It's an awesome chapter. And we're just going to go on from there. And we're going to talk some more about rediscovering purpose. We're going to talk about some other things, okay? Let's all stand as we get ready to, to close.
Do you all know when the Holy Spirit is not working? Can anyone tell me when the Holy Spirit is not working? Thank you. That's right. The answer is never. The Holy Spirit is never not working. Do you know that the Holy Spirit is working right now in your life? Not because you are in church listening to my message or to God's Word. The Holy Spirit is never not working in your life. But I, listen, you don't have to be a prophet to understand some really basic things about human nature. We have a tendency, it's part of our fallen nature, to get stuck in our past failures, in our past sin. Because we have that tendency, we latch on to past victory and past success, and we want to hold on to that, and it becomes an idol in our life, and we don't want to let go. This is why churches fail to change. This is why churches, it's so difficult for churches to change. This is why it's very common when you're dealing with church issues to hear people say, well, you know, we used to, we used to, well, back in the day, well, this is what we used to, because we want to hold on to those things. And that's the sign of a church and a people that need to rediscover their purpose. And I just want to encourage you right now, if you as an individual and that means it affects us as a church family. From this corporate level down to the personal level of if we're stuck in the past, whether it's our failures or our successes, we need to rediscover our purpose. We need to understand that what God is doing is something greater than what we are able to see right now. What's happening right now is only a part of something greater. We may or we may not be able to see it right now, but whether we can see it or not, we need to understand that it is. I mean, when I'm sitting there focused on the very stone that's in front of me trying to get it in place, I'm not looking at everything, but I should always be working, understanding that there's a greater purpose. But sometimes I can forget that and become focused in an unhealthy way where I am or where I was. I want us just to pray. I'm just going to pray as we close that if you find yourself struggling with letting go of the past, whether it's failure or whether it's success. If you find yourself unable to get a glimpse of and begin to understand and live with a greater purpose, my prayer is that God would deliver us from that bondage because that's what it is. It's bondage. And He would set us free and give us eyes to see and hearts and minds to receive the greater things that He has, that He is working even now by His Spirit in your life and in this body. Amen? Father, we ask You, Lord, in Your infinite grace and mercy, God, You are so good. Lord, as I study the story of Nehemiah and the children of Israel, I am just amazed at your goodness. I am just amazed at how you do everything with purpose. That you have infused purpose into everything around us and in our lives. Father, I pray, Lord, on a very personal level, as individuals, as couples, as families, and as a church, and as just a small part of the greater church, help us, God, to see beyond the moment. Help us to live free of our past failure and also free of our past success. Help us, God, to learn from our past, to, 
to rejoice and to celebrate our past, the good, the bad, and the ugly. But help us, God, to live with a greater sense of your greater purpose. Help us, God, to be a people that would be continually rediscovering purpose in everything that we do. Lord, I pray that you would give us the assurance that, God, you are working by your Spirit. Sometimes we see it, sometimes we feel it. Most often, God, you are working, and we are unaware of it. Father, I believe there are those here who have situations in their lives that are challenging them. And Lord, I believe that you allow those challenges to come to help us, to teach us. Lord, I believe you allow those challenges to come so that we would be able to constantly rediscover our purpose. The purpose you've ordained for us. Father, we ask that ultimately, in everything, Lord, we would seek your glory. That is the ultimate purpose in everything we do, that you would be glorified. Help us, God, to be a people that would bring glory and honor to your name. Help us, Father God, to understand that we are all parts of a whole. That no one, Lord, is so important that he doesn't need the other. And no one is so unimportant that it can be left to itself and abandoned. Help us, God, to embrace one another, love one another, celebrate one another, and be joined to one another in you. To see your purpose achieved and your name glorified. Father, we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.